0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. 2018, days of glory, days of flourishing, days of abounding. This is from Dr. Savell, October 2017. He says, Continue to preach and teach and emphasize the importance of faithfulness. Say, that's me. That's me. It's still my plan for the faithful to flourish, say that's me. Yes, that's me. If you will do this, then they will eventually get it. It's never been more important than right now, say right now. Right now. For them to flourish in every area of their lives, say every area. Every, every. These are indeed the days of my greater glory, saith the Lord. I will cause it to manifest for all who have remained faithful to me and faithful to my word, say that's me. Yes. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound. Say that's me. that's me. Even as I've promised in my word. I will honor their loyalty to me by enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. Say that's me. That's me. And I will bring them into the greatest breakthroughs they have ever they have experienced thus far. Say that's me. That's me. Rest assured that I'm working in their behalf even now and they shall triumph. Say that's me. That's me. And they shall be victorious. Say that's me. That's and all shall see that I am still the God of the breakthrough, and I am still the God that keeps covenant. So lift up your hands, and lift up your voices, and praise your God, the God who is unlike any other God, the God who blesses all who have been loyal and faithful to him, saith the Lord. Now, can we give the Lord a shout like we mean it? Hallelujah! Now, now from that... Um, of it being greater glory, greater flourishing, greater abounding. Um, part of my assignment as as a minister of the gospel is is um, identifying also where where we're at as a body of believers, and so um, burst out of what Doctor Savell had said, and going along and supporting with um, Pastor Justin told me just to flow tonight, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, so, looking at the number eighteen, and, and hopefully you're taking notes, you can on your phone, your iPad, your paper, whatever it is. The number eighteen. We're in 2018. It's important um, that we understand the season times that we're in. First Chronicles chapter 12 said, "The son of Issachar they understood and discerned the times and seasons that they were in." Number eighteen represents freedom from bondage. Freedom from bondage you take the number 8 and the number 8 represents resurrection the number 8 represents new beginnings the number 8 represents new slate the number 8 represents regeneration I'm believing God for a regeneration in your vision your purpose your dream uh, a, a new beginning a fresh start you take the number 10 the number 10 represents a completeness of order It represents responsibility. You look in Luke 17, how the ten lepers um, all received their healing, but only one of them came back and began to thank God over and over and over and over again. And Jesus restored him completely to wholeness because of his responsibility to be thankful. We have a lot to be thankful for. I want to encourage you to take the responsibility to be thankful for everything that God has done and he is doing in our life. Amen. Ten also represents testimony. That some of you, you've been walking in a test, but now it's time for the testimony. The testimony of greater glory. The testimony of greater goodness. The testimony of greater flourishing. It's time for testimony. It's our responsibility to stay on God's Word, receive God's Word, live God's Word, and give testimony to God's goodness. A completeness of order. So God is saying we're in a time that there's a a new order. Because see, anywhere that there's chaos... God's Word always brings order. In the beginning when the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, and the Word said that God spoke, Light be, and light was. The word light in the Hebrew is the word or, O-R-E, and it means order. That anywhere that there's chaos, or anywhere there's bondage, or anywhere there's darkness, when the Word of God penetrates it, it always brings order. What area of our life is chaotic, let's put God's Word on it, and bring order. Amen. It's freedom from bondage. The number 18, freedom from bondage. God is saying, okay, this is the season that we're in. He wants us free from any bondages. He wants new beginnings, fresh start, clean slate. We have a responsibility to lay hold of this. And for this to be our testimony, it's not only going to be greater glory. We're living in greater glory, greater manifestation, greater goodness of the things of God. Yeah. You look at it in the Hebrew, the numbers five, seven, seven, eight. 2018, 5778, it represents that there is a, a, a light from heaven, a new degree of light from heaven which represents revelation. And that only comes through God's word and through prayer and through relationships. It also represents a a, a newness in miracles and, and signs and wonders that we're going to see double and even quadruple manifestations of the power of God in this season. Things that have been gates and walls are going to begin to open up. Things that there have been hindrances, those bondages, they've got to break free in Jesus' name. This is the season that we're in. There's a new apostolic release, a new order in our lives. And our families and our businesses This is the season that we're in Things are going to begin to happen That are going to cause people to think about their eternal destiny Spiritual senses will awaken And spiritual senses will heighten Not only in light but also in darkness You'll be able to discern what is dark and what is light Quicker and better than ever before This is the season we're in as God's people Greater glory, greater manifestation, greater abounding Say that's me Things will begin to happen that people will begin to think about their eternal destiny. At the end of the year, uh, in December, I was out in Las Vegas, and uh, I was out there uh, almost two weeks, I guess. But I did 11 services out there, and the first day, Uh, we're out there. did service 8 o'clock in the morning uh, in the enemy's camp, and I like shoving it right up his nose. Because, you know, every day out there, there was a new group of people. And there would be 150, 200 people, 8 o'clock in the morning, the desert, cold outside. But there would be 10, 15 people accept the Lord every day. The first day we're there, we're teaching. I was competing that day also. And so I taught and everything. And Connor's out there and Heather's out there and um, out getting ready. And all of a sudden my phone rings and Heather says, you've got to get to the arena. And so I just turn around and start to take off running. And somebody was already loping towards me to get my horse from me. And whenever I jumped over the fence, Connor, he is a, a EMT, and he was already out there on the scene. And what had happened, this guy was a young kid, 15 years old, was on his horse, and he roped this steer, and he went to turn off, and the horse went down and flipped over the top of him. The kid went underneath the horse, and whenever the horse went to get up, the horse started stepping on his head, trying to get up and, and get his feet. Well, Connor, and then when I jumped there, I didn't see all this. Connor and Heather and them were there, and get out there, and Connor and them had his neck up, because whenever they dropped his neck, he couldn't breathe, and... Um, and and when, I, when I was running to him I mean just in all the natural Lips are purple No movement whatsoever And I've seen this before I mean the kid looked dead And so instantly I just began to take dominion and authority yeah. Over what was going on there And, and, and letting the enemy know uh, The spirit of death had no dominion Had no right Could not take that boy And I, I begin to command life To come into his heart To his brain To his organs I begin to speak to the real him And commanding life to come Within a few minutes, by the time the ambulance and stuff got there, he started movement, started being in his arms and in his legs. And, and, and so that night, he, he was in a coma. His brain was swelling, bleeding on the brain. You know, they were saying they don't know. They don't, you know, they don't know if he's going to make it. They don't know what's going to happen when they come off of all the sedation. So the next day, they begin to take him off the sedation. And they were saying, okay, there's some response there, but we're going to have to keep him at least two weeks, watch him every day, see how he's doing on the machines. And, uh, of course, Heather and I went up there that night and talked to the family and the friends about how to create an environment of faith that we're not going to allow doubt and fear and unbelief to come in here and got to speak to the family that, you know what, it's not God's will that this young man die. We're not going to let him die. It's not God's will. God still has a plan. He still has a purpose. I went up there on the third day, and when I was up there seeing that boy, the doctor come in and released him completely whole. (laughs) Completely whole. Yes, give the Lord praise. But the cool thing, I mean, there are so many cool things. We had so many testimonies, so many people, message and people that didn't even know who we were, how to get to us, the ambulance drivers, the nurses. We've never seen anything like that before. We've never heard anything like that before. And so last week, week before, maybe I was at Odessa at the pro rodeo over there and I'm getting ready to compete. And we're talking about things like this becoming the normal, that it's time for us to rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. And this guy is a, just a, a tough, rough guy, L- lopes by on his horse and. Hey, Trey, can I talk to you? He just keeps loping. He says, yeah, you bet. And so, I, you know, we go on and everything. I'm getting ready to, to compete. I'm getting ready to ride in the box. And he comes, comes up there in front of me. And he just begins to talk. And he says, uh, I was there that day when you prayed for that kid. I mean, he just, he's quivering. I mean, the presence of God is so strong on him. He don't know what to do. He's just sitting here quivering. And on the inside, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say? And the Lord's saying, you just be quiet. He said, I'm ministering to him myself. Amen. And he just is talking, and he said, he said I, I've never never felt anything like that before. I've never seen anything like that before. But I was out there. He said, when I got out there, I knew the kid was dead. He's like, but whenever you got done praying, I knew that there was no way the kid couldn't live. Amen. And I was sitting there, and when he got done, I said, well, what do you think the Lord is telling you? He said, I don't know, but I know that it's real. Amen. So it'll be very interesting to see. You know, God's doing a work in that young man. But the reason I say that is because that's the season we're in. Amen. It, that's the season. Greater glory, greater manifestation, greater power, greater goodness. But we've got to start expecting it. We've got to start thinking this way, believing this way, talking this way. 18 freedom from bondage. Say freedom from bondage. Freedom. Go with me to Luke chapter 13. And you know what? For time's sake, we might come back to this. I want you just to jot it down. Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. And let's go to Judges chapter 3. Nope. Let's go to Luke 13. All right. Verse 10. Luke 13, verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of an infirmity. How many years? What does 18 represent? Freedom from bondage. A woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Now the word infirmity in the Greek means weakness, feebleness of mind, feebleness of body, means disorder, means disease, means sickness. So any form of weakness, any form, weakness. Weakness. This woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no wise no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Now notice this, where was this woman out? Because we know the faithful flourish, right? And even though this woman was bent over, where was she at? She was in the house of God. And you know that she she had opportunity to struggle with her image on the inside of her for 18 years she'd been dealing with this weakness but she stayed faithful she stayed committed she stayed in the process she didn't throw in the towel she didn't quit she engaged her persistence she was patient she kept showing up Say keep showing up, keep showing up. And notice how it said right here Jesus saw her and he called to her and he said to her No matter where we're at Sometimes people question whether God sees what's going on. God sees what's going on. He sees what's going on. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro over the whole earth, looking for someone who He can show Himself strong on their behalf. He sees what's going on with your family. He sees what's going on financially. He sees what's going on. Now notice, He not only saw, but then what did He do? He called her. Individually, He called her. That word called means He invited her. In other words, He was saying, you've gone through this course of time, but I'm calling you into a new time. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you to walk free from the bondage that you've been dealing with for 18 years. So personally, he's speaking to you tonight. Personally, he's speaking to me tonight. He's speaking to us and he's inviting us to come into this time, this time of greater glory, greater manifestation, greater goodness, greater harvest, greater miracles, greater signs. He's inviting us. And then he spoke. Individually. Woman, I want you to put your name there. You are loosed. I'm inviting you into this time because this is the time to be free from bondages. You're loosed. Body, you're loosed. Sickness, woman, you're loosed. Loosed means to be completely set free completely set free. So God is saying, I'm inviting you into this time of greater glory, greater manifestation, greater flourishing. It's very important that we flourish in every area of life, right? He said, I'm inviting you to realize in this time, it's time we're completely set free. Not just a little bit free, but we're completely free, free in our mind, free in our body, free in our family, free in our finances, free in our destiny. It is time to be free. And he goes on in verse 13, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days in which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So in other words, he was comparing the value of this woman to a donkey and ox. He was saying, now listen, and we could bring it into the day. How many of you have dogs? Okay, you wouldn't let that dog go a day without water, would you? Whether you have a cat, whether you have a dog, whether you have a horse, whether you have a cow, you wouldn't let it go a day without water. And this is what Jesus is saying, this woman is a lot more valuable than an animal. And if you wouldn't let her go without water, you wouldn't let your animal go without water. I'm not going to let this woman, I'm not going to let you go any longer. This is the time that we're in. It's time to be free from any bondages. It's time to be free from the weakness of mind, weakness of heart, weakness in our physical body. Any weakness. Say any any weakness. See. The reason I keep saying is because I want you to wrap your mind around what is that weak area. I don't care what it is. All things are possible to us because we believe, right? We are are believers. That's who we are. It's natural for us to believe for greater glory. It's natural for us to believe for greater healings. It's natural for us to, to believe for greater breakthroughs. It is natural for us. And God is saying, I'm inviting you into this season to be free from the weaknesses. And he goes on. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, verse 16, whom Satan has bound, notice how he identified who was the one that had bound her for 18 years. It was who? It was Satan. 1 John 3 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest to destroy. In the Amplified, it says to dissolve, to loosen, say "loosen," loosen, the works of the devil. For this purpose. For this purpose. For this purpose. And he goes on to say, think of it, for 18 years. What does 18 represent? Freedom Freedom from bondage. Be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. And he said these things, and all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. He's inviting us to come into this time and to be completely free. Completely free. Now go to Judges 3. So I'm glad I came tonight. Now in Judges chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And if you don't know where Judges is, you can go to the table of contents at the front right here. And it's just a little bit over to the right, okay? That's what it's there for. So you need to find out where it is. There it is. Judges chapter 3, verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, and went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. Now, the city of Palms was not talking about Hawaii. Okay? Okay? The city of Palms was talking about Jericho, and when, when God delivered the people, when they w- was going into the promised land, what was the first city that they took? Jericho. Okay, so when you see Jericho, a lot of times in the Bible, it represents a place of spiritual warfare. And so when they come out, they, they overcame Jericho, but then a little bit at a time, they begin to replace what was... Priority, the main thing, their relationship with God, God's Word, they begin to put other things in that place. And so the thing that they once possessed now had come back and possessed them. You with me? So this is where God's people are at in verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, how many years? 18. 18 years. What does 18 represent? Freedom from bondage. So I want you to see this is where God's people were. They were free, then they were in bondage for 18 years. Eglon, the name Eglon, the king here that was over that area. The name means fat ox. And so representing a place that maybe we've been lackadaisical. And we've given the enemy authority in that area. Or maybe it's a place that has just been disorder. Or maybe it's been a place of ignorance. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But God is saying, I'm inviting you to step into this time and realize it's time to be free from bondages. And so here are the children of Israel, verse 15. And when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. And now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double edge and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes and on his right thigh. So let's, let's pull out some things here. So 18 represents what? Freedom, Freedom from bondages. Now God's, God's people called out in faith. And any time we call out in faith, any time we approach God in faith, God will, he will do whatever it needs to be done to get your answer to you because he responds to faith. Ehud, the name Ehud means the one. So as we're looking at this process, you have King Eglon and you have Ehud and you have the people of God that called out in faith. So God raised up Ehud, the one that was a left-handed man, which a left-handed man in that time Do I have any lefties in here. Oh, several lefties in here. My dad's a lefty, so I've got to watch how I communicate this here. (laughs) But at this time, left-handed people, it, it seemed like a limitation. It seemed like an oddity. It seemed like a handicap. It seemed like a hindrance. And even though he was from the tribe of Benjamin, which means son of right hand, which right hand represents power, right hand represents blessing... Him being a son of Benjamin, but he was a left-handed man, lets us know that he not only operated in the power and blessing of Almighty God, but he was able to operate in a way that not everybody was familiar with. To some people it looked like a a weakness, but to him it looked like freedom. Ehud made a decision after 18 years to be the one. Tonight I want to encourage you to make a decision you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one in the one that's going to turn the direction of your family. You're going to be the one in the one that's going to change that generational mess that has gone from year, year, decade after decade after decade. You're, you are the one in the one. You are the one to show up on your job with the power in the name of Jesus. The power in the word of God. The power by the spirit of God. You are the one to run your race. You are the one to fulfill your purpose. You are the one in the one. You are the one. You are the one to walk in greater glory. You are the one to walk in greater goodness. You are the one to walk in the power of God. Like we've never seen before. You are the one in the one. See, somebody is walking in the power of God, so why not it be us? Somebody is getting their prayers answered, why not it be us? Somebody's prospering, somebody's increasing, somebody's walking free, why not it be us? You are the one and the one. And people are apparently calling out in faith because God is inviting each one of us to rise up and be the one. This is Ehud. This is us. Verse 16. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Say, I'm the one. one. Say it again: I'm the one. one. In the one. one. You're the one. You're the one. To to raise the level of thinking in your family. You're you're the one to fulfill the vision that God has placed in your heart. You are the one to overcome the battles that have been plaguing you for 18 years. You are the one to walk in restoration. You are the one to walk in praise like we've never seen before. You are the one, the one that is walking with the one that can set people free. Verse 16, now Ehud made himself a dagger. Huh. Say, say I'm, the I'm the one. I'm trying to get past this. Say, I'm the, one. I'm, the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. You're the one that doesn't back off in your prayer life. You're the one that doesn't back off on the word. You are the one that doesn't back off on what God specifically spoke to you about your future. You are the one that has grit and determination about you. You are the one. You are the one that hears the voice of God clearly and accurately. You are the one that it might look like an oddity to everybody else. It might look different to everybody else, but you're the one that God is going to use to make a difference. You are the one in the one. Say, I'm the one. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fashioned it under his clothes and on his right thigh. And so he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. Now, that's kind of rude, isn't it? (laughs) Verse 18, when he had finished, just kidding, Lord, I I know you put it in there for purpose, but... in Verse 18, and he had finished presenting the tribute, and he sent away the people who carried the tribute, but... He himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal... ...and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he said, Keep silence, the king did. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him, and now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh... ...thrust it into his belly... Verse 22, And even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Now let's go back. You see, the people of God called out in faith, correct? God began to bring an answer, rose up a band by the name of Ehud, the one, say, I am the one. Now notice in verse 16 that Ehud made himself a dagger. And it was double-edged and cubit in length and fastened under his clothes and on his right thigh. Now I want you to picture Ehud made himself a dagger. Now when we read this story, we kind of stick it in high gear and just think that it just happened. But it ain't like Ehud could go down. My boy, he likes to collect knives. And so I have a drawer full of knives and stuff at the house. And so it ain't like Ehud could just go in there and grab a knife. It said, no, he made himself a dagger. He made himself a dagger that was double-edged. Revelation chapter 1 verse 16 says that when Jesus opens his mouth, he has a double-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 says that the the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Discerning. Spirit, soul, body. Ehud made himself a dagger. So I want you to picture this wasn't something that just happened quickly. This was something, a man that looked odd to everybody else, but he was a man that was surrendered to almighty God. And you can picture Ehud going in to the area where they made swords and where they made this stuff. And Ehud began to work and Ehud began to grab the metal and he began to stick it into the fire and he would bring it out and he would begin to pound away at that double edged sword. He'd begin to pound away just making it just right. And you know that every time that he was sitting there hitting that thing, God was doing a work on the inside of him. Just like every time we sit under the word of God, tink, tink, tink. The spirit of God was talking to Ehud. Ehud, you might look, might look odd to everybody else, but you need to know the way that I see you, Ehud. Tink, tink, tink. Ehud, you need to know that you're the one. I know that everybody's been in bondage, but you've been surrendered to me. I know that everybody's been bound up, but you've been willing to stand up. Ehud, I need you to see yourself the way that I see you. Tink! Tink! And he would stick it back in the fire. Kind of like what when we spend time in the presence of God and we're hearing the word of God. What's happening? Tink! Tink! tink. It's changing the way that we think. It's changing the way that we believe and know when God would speak to him, it would do a work in him and do a work through him. So now he made himself something that was designed specifically for him that fit in his hand. So he could do the assignment that God had created him to do. He made himself a dagger. See, when God speaks a word to us here or at home, it takes time to make yourself a dagger. I want to encourage you, whatever weakness you're facing. I want to encourage you to spend some time and make yourself a dagger. Allow the Spirit of God to relay that word that sharpens one side, but when it gets in your heart and it does a work and it comes back out of your mouth, it sharpens the other side to do a work on this earth. Make yourself a dagger. Allow the Spirit of God to just penetrate into our thinking and penetrate into our heart and there's going to be some areas you're going to need to, to stick what you thought you knew about God's word back in the fire and allow the Holy Spirit to shape it again because it isn't quite right. It's good, but it's not quite right. The Holy Spirit's wanting to hone some things. He is wanting to hone some things. And notice as he's sitting there and he's working and God's talking to him. I just keep thinking of Jeremiah 18. Remember the story when the prophet Jeremiah, God told him, I need you to go down to the potter's house. And I need you to look. And he's watching the potter make the clay. And it says that it was spoiled in the hands of the potter. The word spoiled means it was altered from its original intent. In other words, there was an original intent for this pot, but it didn't quite work out right. It kind of got off a little bit. So it says that he reworked it. The word work means to become re always means to bring it back to the original. God might've had a plan for you, but you might've got off just a little bit, but God's wanting to rework you so you can become who you were originally created to be. And I can see Ehud, the one say the one. Spending time in there, shaping it. A cubit, it went from the tip of his finger right here to his elbows. And these swords were designed for up-close personal combat. They weren't, they weren't designed to joust with. They were designed for up-close personal combat. He made himself a dagger. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the Rama Word of God. This is the spoken, the Word that is spoken. Quickened by Almighty God that you know, that you know, that you know. God spoke it to you specifically. That's the sword. So up-close and personal. Personal, you can do your work. And as he's making this dagger, tink, tink. And the Holy Spirit's just painting this image of who he is. Ehud, you were born for such a time as this. Ehud, I'm inviting you to step into this time. Tink, tink. It says that, that he, he, he attached it to his right thigh. The right thigh always represents in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, a place of covenant. A place of trust a place of confidence. Whenever they would make covenant with one another, they would stick their hand underneath the right thigh. I love you, Vic, but for you to stick your hand underneath my right thigh, that's some trust right there, brother, right? But see what was, what was happening as he was in there building his dagger, trust was being developed. Confidence was being developed. That this this dagger wasn't designed necessarily by him and him alone. It was the one doing the work in the one to develop it specifically for him to fulfill his assignment. And it was going to be attached to a place of trust and confidence knowing that he was in covenant with almighty God. And he said he attached it underneath his clothes. That clothes represents righteousness. That as Ehud spent time with God and made a dagger. He began to realize that he did belong in the presence of God. He was in right standing with Almighty God. He was chosen for such a time as this. He was the one and the one. And he wasn't going in his own might. He wasn't going in his own string. He was the one in the one. And so he made himself a dagger. And he attached it to his right thigh. And it was underneath his clothes. And so here this man who was willing to surrender what looked like a weakness to everybody else was the very thing that God used to set him free from bondage yeah. and so he approaches the king's court and because everybody was right-handed the security guards they patted this man down like he was a righty not a lefty he wasn't very impressive looking to them but what was burning on the inside of him? What did he say? I have a message. I have a message. The time that he was spending, um, beating that dagger and molding that dagger, God was bowling that message on the inside of him that he knew it was not right for his family to be in bondage. He knew that it was not right for that nation to be in bondage. He knew that it was not right for God's people to be in bondage. And he was getting a revelation that I am the one in the one. And that message was bubbling. And the security guys just let him come on in. And the Bible says that they gave the tribute because ever so often they would bring a gift to the king and see the enemy that was lording over God's people at that time. He was very fat, it said. Represented that he was just served. Maybe there's an area that you've just served over and over again. But it's time that that area of weakness is dealt with. And so Ehud, what did he say? When he walked in, he gave the gift and and everything seemed to be going the same way. And the Bible says they begin to walk away. But then when he got past the stone images at Gilgal, Gilgal represents coming out of the kingdom of darkness, coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Gilgal represents I'm making a decision that I'm not going to be the same I've always been. There's something happening in me. I'm changing. Because if you stay at Gilgal, that's what tradition and religion looks like. You're saved, but there's no power. Power. you're saved, but there's no authority you're saved but you're stuck, and stuck stinks. <coughs> right? right? says he went past the images, the idols that they worshiped, and he turned. In other words, God had been doing a work in him, and he made himself a dagger, and he knew that it was this time that I 'm the one, and things are going to look a little different. So he turned and he looks at this weak area, this weak king, Eglon, and he says, "I have a message." I have a message. I have a message. And what happened when he said, I have a message, the king stood up. See, when you start attacking these areas of weakness, whether it's in your body, finances, relationally, the area that has had dominance over you for so many years isn't going to sit down and give it away very easily. It might rise up. But when you've been spending time, tink, tink, tink. Making your dagger, and you know that you have trust and confidence in Almighty God, and it comes from your revelation of you are the right standing of Almighty God in Christ Jesus, that I am the one and the one, and I'm going on my assignment, whether you like it or not. And this word was bubbling on the inside of him I have a message. I have a message. Eglon stood up. Did he back down? Ehud did not back down. What did he say again? I have a special message from God for you. I have a message from God from you. When that area of weakness in your physical body rises its head up, what does your dagger look like? See, that dagger was designed for you to pull from a place of trust and confidence and for up-close personal combat. I have a message. Remember, Jesus overcame in Matthew 4. How did he overcome Satan? It is written. It is written. I have a message. Revelations twelve eleven says, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's time for testimony testimony i have a message whenever the doctor has a report that doesn't line up with the word of god i have a message whenever the finances are looking down when they should be looking up i have a message when your family is splintering and it looks like all hell is broken loose what is your message what is your message you are the one that has a message What is your message? But you got to spend time making your message, building your dagger. You've got a message. Say, "I I have a message. Now, notice Ehud, the one, didn't play around with this, he didn't just get to poking him. Now, Eglon, I know you've been annoying all of us for 18 years. You see my dagger? Eglon, you better back off. No, what'd he do? It said that he grabbed it and he just didn't poke it like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He stuck it all the way through stick it all the way through. What is that battle you're facing? What is that addiction you're dealing with? What is that attitude that you're dealing with? What is that area of weakness? Grab the word and stick it all the way through. Not part way through, all the way through. All the way through that weakness. Remember, God is inviting us to enter into this time to be free from bondage. He says stick it all the way through. Stick it all the way through. Don't play church, don't be religious. You have one thing on your mind and that's freedom from bondage. That's winning. That's victory. Stick it all the way through. All the way. Say all the way. Now notice when he stuck it all the way through. This area of weakness fell to the ground. Let's go on. This is where we're at right here, and I'll kind of speed it up for time. I lost my place, so I'll just I'll summarize it here. So the Bible says that Ehud shut the doors, locked it, and moved forward. When you shove it all the way through this area of weakness and it dies and you know you have the victory, don't try to resurrect it. Don't go back in there and try to give it mouth to mouth. Don't go back in there and say, oh, I apologize, I apologize. And try to pull, pull your knife out. No, you stuck it all the way through on purpose because you know it's God's will that you're free. You know it's God's will that you flourish. You know it's God's will for greater glory, greater manifestation, greater goodness. Stick it all the way through. Say all the way through. through. Then shut the door, stick a lock on it, and let's move forward. Let's move forward. Then it says from that point on, here, here comes um, Eglon's, the security team, the guys and everything. They're there, and it says that they, they waited. They thought the, the king was up there using the restroom, and it just began to smell. And they kind of got embarrassed, like, oh, my gosh, man, he's doing a good job. You know, it's like, woo. to the point. <laughs> Those are the times I always enjoy looking at my wife because I can just see her face just going different. Or you look in the Hebrew, it actually says they, they were relieving themselves and they were covering their feet. So if you want to be real biblical, whenever you go home, Hey honey, I'm going to go cover my feet. She'll <laughs> sure know what that means. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you might well just move right on on that one. <laughs> and so here are the guys they're embarrassed because the smell is so bad. So finally they get the key and they unlock it. And, and what do they find? They find Eglon dead. But by this time, Ehud had already made his way past the images again, and he approaches in the middle of God's people. This is very key. The man, the one who was surrendered to God, the one who was willing to make a dagger, the one that was willing to develop trust and confidence, the one who was willing to put it under, under his robe of righteousness, because when we know who we are in Christ Jesus, revelation is different. We use the dagger differently when we know we belong on the winning side. We use the word differently when we know our prayers get answered. We we use the word different. Yeah. Now here's the one, and he approaches to all all God's people, and he grabs the trumpet, and he blows the trumpet. And any time they blew the trumpet, it, it represented victory. It represented a time of war. It represented a time of coming together. In other words, the one was saying. Bah, bah, bah. God showed up for me, now he's going to show up for you. God did it for me, God's going to do it for you. Acts chapter 10, God is no respecter of person. Remember, in the day of David and Goliath, there were no giant killers until David decided to be the one who was going to take down the one. Whenever David took down Goliath, after that point, giant killers started popping up everywhere. Why? Because they realized if God did it for him, he'll do it for me. If God sets you free, he sets me free. If you're in a time of freedom from bondage, hey, I'm in a time of freedom from bondage. He blew the trumpet. Come on, freedom time. And it says the people started coming out from the mountain of Ephraim and they went down to Jordan. And they began to fight the Moabites. They wouldn't let any of them, any of them cross the Jordan. Jordan represents a place of revelation. Remember when Elijah and Elisha were there and and God went to take him up, but he, he he hit the Jordan and it parted. See, Jordan represents a place. See, when you decide to be the one... And you spend time making yourself a dagger. And during that time, you're, you're hitting on that thing and God is speaking into your, your heart. And he's, he's molding the way you think and the way you see yourself. And you begin to develop that trust and confidence and knowing that you're in right standing with Almighty God. When you begin to see that you're the one and the one and you're going to where God has called and created you to go, you begin to see what others can't see. You begin to hear what others can't hear. You begin to know something that not everybody else around you knows. It might look odd to them, but you know that it's designed for a special purpose. Ehud, he blew the trumpet before the physical victory. Why? Because he saw something nobody else saw. He heard something that nobody else was willing to hear.